started today, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn your uh, Bibles to the uh, Gospel of John, chapter number eight. We're continuing a series on love, and uh, we've been kind of walking through 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse number four. And today we're going to talk about a very important uh, aspect of love, and that is the aspect of honor. When we think about love, we most certainly can see that love is the most sought after quality in the world and yet it is impossible to perfect. We keep wanting to get better at love and better at love, and we do become better at love, and yet we also find ourselves falling short because we're people and we're not perfect, but we want to love perfectly. People have tried to find love, acquire it, hold on to it, use it, and sometimes abuse it. Well, here's what some children have to say about love. I think you'll find this uh, kind of funny, I did. Uh, what some kids say about love. Glenn, age seven. Glenn, age seven, says, if falling in love is anything like learning how to spell, I don't want to do it. It takes too long. <laughs> Kenny, again, age seven. He says, it gives me a headache to think about that stuff. I'm only a kid. I don't need that kind of trouble. <laughs> Regina, age 10, says, I'm not rushing into love. I'm finding fourth grade hard enough. And last is Floyd, age nine. I thought they stopped making Floyds a long time ago. Floyd, age nine, said, love is foolish, but I still might try it sometime. <laughs> well, in the first John, first John chapter four, verse eight, it tells that anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses four and five, it says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, and it does not dishonor others. So we can come to a conclusion that God is love, and love honors others. So today let's just explore this subject of honor. When we do not live with the quality of honor, it affects us in a very negative way. We begin to have conflicts even within our own selves. We have conflicts in our relationships with other people. Families begin to fracture. Relationships deteriorate. Even in business, we find low productivity and high employee turnover. In the aspect of churches, churches without honor will become stagnant, split, die, or all three. So honor is vitally important. At Hope Crossings, we have seven core values. And number five, the fifth core value, is that we will fight for unity. Now, doesn't that just sound like an oxymoron? We'll fight. We want unity. It sounds weird, doesn't it? And if you come to Hope 101, you'll hear us talk a little bit more about this. But let me just tease you a little bit right now. We will fight for unity, but how do we fight? We fight for unity by developing a culture of honor. And that's what is the dishonor destroyer. It's what builds up unity is when we honor one another. So when someone uh, does something we don't like, we first choose to honor them and then find out what happened. If someone, we hear someone said something, we begin with honor, we begin with trust, and then we verify we've got a process. Even when we're dealing with certain issues that are trouble or difficulties, we, we look at pencil, 
ink or blood. Again, Hope 101, we explain that. What is the pencil, ink, and blood issue? How do we use those things to help us solve problems? When we honor people, we many times have to fight, but we're not fighting with the person. What are we fighting? We're actually fighting within our own selves between the flesh and the spirit. When someone does something you don't like, what's the natural response? It's like, get mad, get angry, get your feelings hurt, and you sometimes want to lash out or, or, or lash back and go, oh, I can't believe it. This is something that I really had to repent of this week because of some things that I was told has nothing to do with Hope Crossings. It has something to do with a university nearby that's teaching my daughter how to teach. <laughs> or supposedly. And when I heard what was being taught, I got mad. And, and I said some things about the, uh, the professor I've never even met. So I'm completely unqualified to preach the sermon today, but you're going to have to hear it anyway. Yeah, we have to fight that within us. And I just had to go, God, I'm sorry. I just kind of lost it there for a moment. We, we tend to do that, and so we fight for unity. We don't fight the other person, but we fight within our own lives. Am I going to honor this person, or am I going to dishonor this person? Am I going to honor this group or dishonor this group? And so we do not try to dominate other people. We're trying to say, Holy Spirit, dominate my life. You're in John uh, chapter number 8. And we want to begin reading there, verse number one. This is a, a, an incident, an event that happened in Jesus' life between um, a group of people who were trying to uh, manipulate a situation. John chapter number eight, let's start reading it, verse number one. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, oh, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to walk away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. We see in this incident great dishonor and great honor. Let's look at three aspects real quickly. The first thing we need to do as people is to honor up. We're called to honor up, or in other words, honor God. Honoring God is our first 
priority. And in this situation, Jesus was honoring the Father. But he was caught in a, in a difficult situation because of what the law of Moses said about adultery. But yet in honoring up, he was able to then honor out. That's another thing that we're going to talk about. But we're talking about honoring up. We must make sure that we understand what worship is really all about. In today's culture of church, we, we can easily fall into a trap of thinking that worship is singing. Oh, we had a great time of worship today at church. It was, we're talking about singing. But worship in the Bible predominantly talks about bowing the heart before God. So it's, it's not, it doesn't start with an outward activity. It starts from the inside of bowing your heart before God in submission, and that's how we honor God. And so we, we talk about, well, doing good things and doing this and doing right things and all of that has its place. But worship is about bowing your heart before God. But Jesus said this, he quoted the book of Isaiah, and he said about the religious people who were serving God from an outward perspective. They were just trying to do the right things, but inside they were much different. And he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He said, they honored God with their lips, and that's all they really did. You don't have to answer this question, but have you ever met one of those people? Somebody that talks it? but their life is just doesn't represent it. It's common. Isaiah said it. Jesus said it. They honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit? You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. Here the Word is telling us there's a, there's a worship of bowing the heart but we can't just say, hey, I worship God and I honor God and I can treat people however I want to. Because I, I'm still going to honor God. I love God. But then we're mean to people. And he's saying, no, that, there's a conflict there. He's saying, you've been bought with a price. Honor God with your body. In other words, there's this connection between honoring God and honoring other people. Let me just go through this list really quickly. This is just references from God's word about honoring uh, um, um, Exodus 20 says, honor your father and your mother. Leviticus 19, honor the elderly. Hebrews 13, marriage should be honored by all. 1 Peter 3, husbands should honor their wives. 1 Timothy, honor the elders of the church. Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth. 1 Peter 2, honor everyone and even the emperor. Whether the emperor is godly or not godly, the Word tells us to honor the emperor or honor the leadership above us, even in a governmental situation. So there's a lot of ways of honoring God, and we do that by honoring people. See, so we've got God, I'm going to honor God here, and then we've got people over here, and we make the mistake of, of trying to separate those two. And we need to say, God, I'm going to honor you by bowing my heart before you, but then when I get up off my knees, when I leave the worship service, I'm going to honor people. And in honoring people, I'm showing that I'm honoring you, which leads us then to honoring out. So we honor up, but then we've got to honor out to other people. Vitally important. John chapter number eight, we see this man and this woman who was caught in adultery, which again, the question is, why did they just bring the woman? She was with somebody. And they didn't bring him. The man and the woman did not honor God, nor did they honor one another by committing adultery. 
but Jesus honored the Father and in a, in a twisted way, <laughs> twisted way is not the right word, in, a, in an unusual way, he actually honored the, the teachers that were there by not blasting them. <laughs> he gave them a, not a paradox, he gave them a statement that they had to wrestle with. You ever had God just give you a statement, you got to wrestle with it? And he also honored this woman. Who was this woman? We don't know. She just, some, you know, somebody had a hard life. Somebody's just trying to get somebody to love her. Somebody trying to just, we don't know who she was. We don't know why she was doing that. But God, Jesus showed so much honor. He honored out. Well, some of the best ways of finding out how we can honor people is to actually look at the negative side of that of dishonor. Okay, I've got something I, I think we can laugh at. This is, this is a Tom Rainer wrote a book, 2016. He published this book called Who Moved My Pulpit? There's a story behind that, obviously. Who Moved My Pulpit? Great books, very small, if you're into that. I'm a pastor, so I, I read that book. But in the book, he talks about 15 petty little arguments that churches have had. We're not going to read all 15. We've just got the top six. You ready? So these things have already happened. I, we can cry about it or we can laugh about it. I choose to laugh about it, okay? So you might find these funny. All right, number one, an argument, church argument, over the appropriate length of the worship leader's beard. It was written in 2016, so it has nothing to do with us, okay? Austin. <laughs> number two, argument and a vote to decide if a clock should in the worship center should be removed. Another one, a 45-minute argument over the type of filing cabinet to purchase, black or brown, two, three, or four drawer. 45-minute argument. Next one, argument over which picture of Jesus should be put in the foyer. Dispute because the Lord's Supper had cranberry juice instead of grape juice. Six. Two churches had arguments over the type of coffee to serve. Y'all aren't laughing. I, thought, I, think, I hope you want to. I don't know. Maybe you're just shocked that this kind of stuff happens. It, it happens. Why do you think we have stressed from the very beginning we will fight for unity? Pencil, ink, and blood. Is this, is this argument worth having? What kind of coffee? Bring your own coffee. A clock? Don't you have a phone? Look at... Okay, so you get it, right? So these things, it's just dishonor. That's the problem with this. It's not... It's nothing to do with a clock or a beard or a whatever. It has to do with dishonor. People dishonor other people because they're not honoring themselves. They don't maybe feel worthy of honor. Maybe they don't feel like they're, they're important. And so they have to find this petty thing to, to make it an issue. And they search for power. And so they know that they do not have the moral clarity or authority to have power in important issues. So we pick a menial issue and I've got to dominate this thing. And it's a mess. It is inspired by the devil. It has no, nowhere, nothing to do with the Spirit of God because it's dishonor. 
We dishonor people when we think we have to dominate them and we have to have our way. Dishonoring others does not honor God. It reveals a lack of self-honor, which takes us to honoring in. First, we honor up to God. Then we honor out to people. But the problem between honoring up and honoring out is right here, and we've got to honor in. Because if I don't sense my own worth, I'm not going to treat somebody else like they're worthy. If I don't understand that God thinks I am worth it, I won't think they are worth it. And it doesn't really matter who they are. In the book of James, it tells us that with our mouth we will honor God, but then with our mouth we curse people. He said, that shouldn't be. Jesus said, out of a well springs either bad water or good water, but you can't do both. You can't have both. And so we find this this problem between honoring up and honoring out, and it's found right here with self. That's the struggle that I had this past week, was dishonoring someone I had never even met. Because I, I, was, I was trying to, what's going on here? And I just had to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I don't even know who this person is. The struggle is here between the flesh and the spirit. Which one's going to win out? Am I going to honor up, honor out? It's difficult when we're not honoring in. First, uh, first, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When we begin to see how much God honors us, then it becomes easier to honor other people. He said, I, I, I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. In Psalm 8, the word talks about the fact that God made man just a little lower than the angels and he gave them authority and he gave them dominion. Amazing. The fact that we were created, you were created as an image bearer of God to this world. That God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the plants, over the animals, over everything. And we are their offspring. We are people made in the image of God. And he's saying, I'm giving you dominion. He thinks you're worth it. He honors you by giving you a choice. He honors you by giving you dominion. He honors you by giving you authority. He honors you by giving you forgiveness for anything you've done wrong. When you come to him and say, God, please forgive me. I was wrong. And he says, okay, I forgive you. He honors you in that way. If he thinks so much of you to honor you in that way, then if we find it easier to honor other people. If I were to bring a, a painting in here this morning, created by a fabulous artist, and I were to bring that painting up here, and I would show you the painting, and you'd ooh and all, wow, that guy is amazing, or that woman's amazing, what a painter, what an artist, wow. But if I were to then put it down here and I would begin to step on it and stomp on it and just, just beat it with my feet, wouldn't you agree that I was, number one, dishonoring the painting, but wouldn't I also be dishonoring the painter? And see, when we beat ourselves up and we're, I'm no good, I, I, I can't really accomplish anything, I'm just full of problems, what are we doing? We're, we're dishonoring our own lives. And therefore, we're dishonoring the God who created us. Now, when my girls were in high school, our girls were in high school, 
They, you know, high, high schoolers have their own language, right? L LOL. Okay. Well, when my girls were in high school, um, there was a saying that they started saying. They, they started saying this, and it, it, we understood it's just kind of a normal thing. It's kind of teenager language. It's just the thing. But I, I kept hearing other teenagers say it, and I heard our girls say it, and it was a statement that went like this. Well, I'm not that stupid. And it was just a saying. It was just a thing. So when I heard this, I'm like, well, baby, you're not stupid at all. I don't know why you're saying that. And so I thought, do, you do I step in on that one? Do I say something? Do I, do I not? It's, you know, they're in high school. And I just decided to one day just kind of tiptoe into that and find out if the piranhas were asleep. <laughs> and so I just said, hey, girls, I just, I just want to share with you. You can, you can continue to say that if you want to, but I just want you, I'm asking you not to say that because you're not stupid at all. You're really smart. And when you say that, well, I'm not that stupid, you're subliminally saying, I am kind of stupid. I'm just not that stupid. And I said, you're not stupid. So I'm asking you to not say that. And to, to my knowledge and my ears, I never heard him say it again. They might have they might have ramped it up at school. I don't know. <laughs> but it was just because we, we've got to be careful what we say about ourselves and how we treat ourselves. Because if we're going to honor God up and honor out to people, we, we've got to know that, that we're secure in God. Whether they receive our honor, whether they reject our honor, however people treat us, we're going to honor them because God tells us that we're worth it. Self-deprecation does not honor God. When we beat ourselves up and we tear ourselves down and we speak badly about ourselves to ourselves, we're not honoring the one who made us. It's like taking that painting and just stomping on it. We're going to say, no, God, God made me. Yeah, I got some flaws, but God made me. Yeah, I don't do everything just right, but God made me. And he has redeemed me. Jesus thinks so much of you that he created you with a will to do what is right or wrong according to what you want. And he says, I love you so much, I forgive you when you do wrong. And he says, I love you so much that I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, to pay for all of your sin, all of your sin. God died on the cross for you. That's how much God honors you. And they buried him. That's how much God honors you. And on Easter morning, he rose from the dead to show he is the line of the tribe of Judah, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. That's how much he honors you. And even right now, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. That's how much God honors you. He's right now preparing a place for you to spend eternity. Not a long vacation, not a long weekend, eternity. That's how much God honors you. We cannot honor God up and honor people out if we're dishonoring ourselves. I'm going to finish up, wrap this up with a, reminding you of the prodigal son. Jesus tells a parable about a father who has two sons, an older and a younger, obviously. And he says, uh, tells a story. The younger one is just eager to go live life. He said, give me my inheritance. Give me my money now. I don't want to wait until you... Pass away, give me my money now. 
The father says, you don't want to do this. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Finally, the father says, okay, great. Gives him the money. He goes off, blows it. The Bible says he came to himself, and then he comes back home, and he said, I just want to be a servant in my father's business. I, 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 I've ruined my sonship. I'll just, be a, I'll just be a worker. Being a worker in his business is better than where I was at. And so the father welcomes him. He says, man, come. Yeah, all right. My son that was dead is now alive again. Yes. And he says, get the robe and put it on him. That robe represents a covering of all of the dirt, all of the scars, all of the grime, all of the sin. He says, put a robe on him. I don't want any of these servants of mine, any of these employees of mine to see my son in any other light than what I want them to see them. Put a robe on him. Cover up all that dirt, all that grime. I want everyone to see that's my son. He's, he's one of me. He's with me. Then he says, I want you to put a ring on his finger. That ring was had a lot of significance. It talked about authority. It talked about being able to do business and, and make contractual agreements on behalf of the Father. That ring said a lot. And he's saying, I want everyone to see he has authority. I'm not, I didn't just cover his, his problems in his past, but I'm giving him authority. Look how much honor the Father was giving to that son who had returned from sinning. So I've covered up all of his grime, and I've given him authority. I've given him a, a way that he knows he has my authority inside of him. And everything seems to be good. They kill the fatted calf. Well, it wasn't good for the fatted calf, but it was good for everybody else. They're going to have a party. We're going to live it up. But then there's the older son. Remember him? He goes and pouts. He goes, oh, my brother's home. Great. They're throwing him a party. Wonderful. So he's out pouting. The father hears about it. The father goes out and says, hey, I mean, paraphrasing, what's up? And the, and the older son says, well, you know what? I've, I've been faithful to you. I've been here the whole time. You never threw a party for me. And the father says to him, son, you have always been with me. All that I have is yours. The older son was in the house not enjoying anything. The older son is in the house, but was dishonoring himself by saying, I'm not worthy of a party. The father doesn't really want to do anything special for me. He was in the house, but not enjoying the home. And I wonder how many of us live life that way. Yeah, we're in the we're in the house, we're in the family of God, but are we feeling that, well, I'm, I'm just saved, that's all. God doesn't really want to do anything for me. He doesn't want to celebrate me. And I would submit to you the exact opposite. Let's say God wants to celebrate your life. You were dead in sin and now you're alive in Christ. You were off doing your own thing, going your own way, and God said, man, I, I forgive you. I forgive you. And he brought you into the family and he wants to celebrate you and he wants to bless you and encourage you and strengthen you. Because you're his. He's covered you with a robe. He's put a ring on your finger. Don't take that ring off. Don't feel like the Father doesn't want to celebrate you and honor you. If we're going to live a life of love, which is the most prized possession we could ever have, the most powerful force that is in the world today is love. we got to honor up. we got to honor out. But we do both when we recognize that God has honored us by creating us, 
by dying on the cross for us and redeeming our lives. And now he says, man, let's throw a party. Have you ever thought about God like throwing you a party? It's weird. Is it weird? I think it's kind of, it's like, really? It's what it says. As, as unusual as it may feel, can we just receive that today, that God has honor for us and that's why we can honor others? He showed us that honor by Jesus Christ dying on the cross. He showed us that honor by him, Christ being buried. He showed us that honor by Christ being resurrected. And he showed us that honor that when you came to him, he completely forgave your sin. He didn't hang on to any of them. He said, it's all gone. It's all gone.